Welcome to Modern Ancestral Mamas, a podcast for mamas created by mamas. We discuss ancestral food, cooking, feeding our families, and holistic living with the everyday modern mom. We are Corey and Christine, two mamas on a mission to nourish our families holistically while keeping it real in today's crazy world. Follow us on this adventure and enjoy the stories and information we share. Today's episode is sponsored by the Nurtured Foundations online course. The Nurtured Foundations course is a podcast style course to teach parents how to start solids with their baby. Are you a parent with a child from zero to 24 months? Well, then this online course is for you. This is a comprehensive course that empowers parents to start solid foods in a confident and safe way and raise adventurous and healthy eaters from the start. We cover topics such as when to start solids, the most nutrient-dense foods to feed your babies, recipes, troubleshooting, how to prevent picky eating, and so much more. If you want information on this course, go to nourishthelittles.com and click on the link, Nurtured Foundations Online Course. You can also find a link to the Nurtured Foundations Online Course on my Instagram bio. Click on the link and look for Nurtured Foundations Online Course. Welcome back to Modern Ancestral Mamas. Thank you so much for being here today. I am Christine from Nourish the Littles, and I'm joined by my co-host, Corey, from For Nutrients' Sake. And today we're going to shift gears a little bit, and we're going to talk about homeschooling. So we're going to, instead of talking about food and farming and stuff like that, we're going to talk about education. And we are guessing that a large portion of our listener base are homeschooling parents. And so this episode is for you. And even if you're not homeschooling, we have you covered because I know that we're going to talk a lot about going back to school and um, just like the school season in general. And for those that um, are Uh, sending their kids to school, we have an earlier episode where we discuss the difference between Waldorf and Montessori. So if you're a little bit intrigued about those, or maybe you don't even know what they are, um, we will link in the show notes the earlier episode where we discuss Waldorf and Montessori. Um, But yeah, and Corey, say something. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) Just waiting silently. Um, I think it's really funny that every time that you in- start the show, you pause around your name. Like, you're like not 100% sure. I think it's hilarious. <laughs> you're like, who I'm Christine. I, I know, right? I'm like, ah. You're super confident about who I am, but not yeah. necessarily about who you are. <laughs> you, I know who you are. Me, not so much. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay. So, We've also done an episode previously on homeschooling, but it was a little bit different than what this one's going to be. And this one is sort of, we've, we've both had a lot of, I think we've both had a lot of talk on our personal Instagrams about um, like people ask us questions, excuse me, questions about 
homeschooling. I know I get a lot of questions about homeschooling, um, but I have been homeschooling my kids since pre-pandemic. So we started in 2019 and I was also homeschooled K through 12 and um, even went to college, but did not homeschool through college. I went to a normal college. (laughs) I just like, I always want to say, well, I mean, it was like a small Christian school, but um, I always want to say, you know, like I was homeschooled kindergarten all the way through high school. So was my sister. We both ended up getting, um, you know, into colleges. We both ended up having bachelor's degrees. Um, and it is possible because, you know, there's a lot of misconceptions about homeschooling about how there's, you know, there's no way you're going to get a, get into school or there's no way you're going to be able to get a job and or there's no way I'm going to be able to teach my children all the things they need to know. Um, so I just want to kind of bust that myth. But before we get started today, Christine, do you have any fun things to share with our listeners? Anything interesting happening in your life this school year? I know, right? I have not. I've sort of, I was just telling Corey Corey, before we started recording that um, I have not really said anything about this on social media yet. So depending on when you listen to this, um, maybe this will be the first time you hear it or um, maybe I will have said something on social media by then. But I have actually decided to homeschool my two older children. So I have a nine-year-old and an almost seven-year-old. And so I guess like first and fourth grade. And I've decided I'm going to try out homeschooling this year with them. And this was kind of a journey for us because it was not really our intention from the beginning. We were very happy at our Montessori school where we were, but we felt that the older kids had kind of outgrown it and they needed a little bit more of a challenge or just like something different. And so we were looking at schools, but just nothing worked out. Um, And so I agreed to do like an online schooling program, not even homeschooling, but just an online schooling program following the curriculum for a charter school here in the Dallas area. And then as the date drew closer and I started going to these online schooling orientations, um, I sort of just realized that it was not what I wanted to do. And I personally felt uncomfortable with the amount of screen time. Um, It was a little bit more screen time than I wanted for my kids. It almost felt like pandemic schooling where like kids were in front of the computer all day, every day. And that was not what I had in mind. So I pulled the plug and I went rogue and was like, nope, we're just going to do homeschooling, (laughs) just like good old traditional homeschooling. Um, And the crazy thing is I don't think that it would have, I'm giving you guys a really long backstory. So thanks for listening. Um, But I don't think I would have arrived there from the beginning. I think I needed to go through the whole process to sort of like mentally prepare myself for this was the path that we were going to go down. Um, Because I think in May or early June, had I decided or had I realized I was homeschooling, I would have freaked out. Mm -hmm. Um, So I am very appreciative of the transition all summer long to sort of just like mentally prepare myself for it and like realizing that, okay, this, this was the end goal all along. Um, 
And the irony of this is, so Corey's talked about how she, she's a second generation. How do you call it? Your second generation homeschooler? Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Um, I don't know if I would consider myself that because I didn't homeschool K through fifth, but I also was homeschooled as a child, fifth grade through freshman year of high school. Um, so a decent amount. So I do have experience with it. And as I've mentioned previously on the podcast, I am a former educator, so I have been a teacher as well. So anytime I tell people that I am homeschooling, I usually get the response of like, oh, you're going to do great. It's going to be fine. Everything will be just fine. (laughs) And I'm silently freaking out internally. (laughs) (laughs) Just like, okay, all right. Hopefully you're right. But, I mean, I agree with them. I think they're right. But I do think that, um, I mean, it's a big hurdle to jump through, right? Like even yeah. so, you know, even my being homeschooled and my husband was homeschooled for part of his childhood. That's how we met when we were kids was in a homeschool co-op. Um, but so we both, you know, felt really comfortable with homeschooling. We did not start out homeschooling and I did not start out wanting to homeschool my children. You know, my kids went to a private school. Um, my son went for two years. My daughter went for one year. And then um, because of the situation with the school, we ended up um, homeschooling. And um, and and I also didn't start out with a traditional homeschooling. I started out with a hybrid method where they were going two days a week to a school, a private school, and I was homeschooling them the three other three days of the week. So, but the PN, the pandemic threw us into full-on homeschooling and it made me realize, oh my gosh, this is actually, I really actually want to be doing this. Like I don't want to be tethered to another school. So I talked about that a lot more in our other episode on homeschooling and you guys can go back and listen to that in the first season of the show. Yeah. Um, so I guess basically what we're going to do on this episode is I want to categorize it as like homeschooling for beginners. Um, I'm going to kind of just interview Corey and ask her all of my burning questions to prepare myself for the upcoming school year, which surprisingly both Corey and I haven't really started yet. Um, I, so, okay. So the older two, I will be homeschooling them, but the youngest, my almost three-year-old, he'll be going to the Montessori school that my kids went to and they have a morning program. So he'll just go from like eight to 12 and then, you know, we'll pick him up and he'll be home with us in the afternoon. And this will give me hopefully a little more space to really focus on the older two as I'm like easing into this. Um, I also think he really does need to be separated from me a little bit. (laughs) Yeah. That sounds nice. Yeah. Um, Yeah, I think it's a good, it'll be a good transition for everybody. Um, It'll be beneficial for all of us. But where was I going with this? Oh, right. So like his his Montessori school does something called a phase-in where they don't actually go full-time until after Labor Day. And so next week they just start in very slowly. So he just goes for one hour a day all next week. Then the following week it's two hours a day. Um, and I think for like really young kids, like a three-year-old, it's, it's a beautiful way to transition a child from home into a different new environment. Um, 
But that being said, I can't really do like full-time school with the other two. Not to mention I'm still waiting on curriculum materials. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So here is the thing with my thing with homeschooling. Okay. Um, <laughs> this is your I'm disclaimer? the boss. This is, well, this is my disclo- couple disclaimers. Okay? okay. First one, I am the boss of my homeschool. Okay. Me and my husband get to make the, make the rules. We get to call the shots. Okay. As long as we're, you know, fulfilling the state requirements. I refuse to start until after um, my birthday and then my son's birthday. So my birthday is in the first week of September. My son's birthday is the day after mine. And those are almost always around Labor Day. Okay. So we don't start until after my son's birthday, which is basically Labor Day. Um, And then... I take a month off from our hardcore curriculum in December. We will do what we call Christmas school. So we have a whole month of December that we have off, um, sort of. We're still doing school, but it's just not as um, uh, structured. And we're doing more like arts and crafts and listening to um, Christmas audiobooks and things like that. And then in and then I want to be done by Memorial Day. Like I am, I just. I need to have a hard break. And um, so we are not year-round homeschoolers. We take off solid in the summer um, and kind of reset in the fall again. So, um, oh, and I do want to say that my kids are, so this year for student-wise, I have a sixth, seventh grader. He's kind of like straddling the line of those two grades um, he's going to be 12 when we start. And then I have a fifth grader and a kindergartner. And then I have my youngest is three. So she's, she's kind of doing preschool stuff, but that's only because the other kids are also doing stuff. So she, she's just interested. Yeah. That's a wide range. I can't wait to, yeah. Ask more questions about that. <laughs> <laughs> Okay. All right. So let's go. Let's do questions. Sure. Okay. Corey. So. All right. Let's start with like maybe practical stuff. So I would love to know how, how do you organize your day? So as like a new homeschooling parent, how would you recommend? Maybe, maybe don't even make recommendations. Just tell me what you do, I guess. Cause I know it can look so different for every family. Yeah, it absolutely can. And it can look different day to day, you know, like we don't necessarily have an exact every day it's this. I know some parents thrive on that. Um, We, most days, so we have one day a week that we go to Mm co-op and that's um, in town. (laughs) Um, And I try to make that our day. We don't really do anything else on that day. We don't do any other school on that day. So that's like we go to co-op and then that's it. And we sometimes will run errands or something. But in general, we're not doing any like math or reading or language arts or anything like that on that day. Um, otherwise, wait, is your older- is your co-op day like all day? No. So it's only three hours in the morning. Okay. Um, usually the families stay and have lunch together and the kids play. Okay. Um in the, at, from like noon to one mm-hmm. and then, um, 
and then and then we're done. But honestly, and I I hear this from almost all of my friends who have co-op that do co-ops. It's exhausting. Like even if it's only three hours in the morning, um, you know, for kids who are not used to being in a school all day, it's it's exhausting. Um, mm. And we get home and we're all just like, either the kids are wild because they, you know, because they're exhausted, or everybody just kind of needs to crash. Um, yeah. And so sometimes we'll just, I'll take a nap. Like I took a nap today, or I tried to take a nap was not very successful. Um, but <laughs> so we had our first co-op today. Um, but uh, the kids were like, the kids were wild today. I think they were just really excited because <laughs> they got yeah. to see their friends again. And um, so anyway, all right. So a normal day that's not a co-op day would be, um, we would, I don't wake my kids up in the morning when we don't have to be somewhere. I just let them get up however, whatever time they get up at. Um, we all kind of eat breakfast together because generally they're going to wake up around the same time. Um, and then um, breakfast is planned out, you know, so I'm not like scrambling to figure out what to make. Then the kids are expected to go do their morning chores. And that's mostly just like get dressed, brush your teeth, brush your hair, wash your face. Make sure your you know clothes are in the hamper or whatever, um, and then the big big kids usually just jump in and get started on either language arts or math, which are their two um, independent um, lessons. So they mm -hmm. can do those on their own, and then and the little girls will, will play it'll be a little bit different this year since I've also got the kinder, the kindergartner so that'll probably be the time when I sit down and try and do some language arts with her or some math and then we'll sit down and do what we call morning basket which is where I'm going to read a um, fiction so we have a fiction that we read together a chapter book so we'll read like a chapter of that we'll do um, history together usually which is either going to be a living book, which is like a historical fiction usually, um, which is the idea of a living book is that you're, you are giving the kids um, sort of the story of history rather than mm -hmm. the facts, you know? Mm -hmm. So they, they, since my kids are not actually in high school yet, I'm not worried about them learning dates and things mm -hmm. like that. I'm more worried about them getting the idea of history and kind of being interested in it. Yeah. Um, and this year we're going to be doing story of the world, which is also another history that ha is more, um, more solid on history, but still not worried about dates. And so we'll do all of that together and we'll do some picture books. I like to make sure that the little girls get some one-on-one -on -one time with picture books with me so that they feel like they are, that they're not being left out, that I'm not spending a bunch of time focused on the older two and, and ignoring them. And, you know, getting to them first thing in the morning or earlier in the morning um, kind of fills their bucket so that they can, you know, be okay with playing independently. Um, and then... We usually, I don't usually 
keep the kids like super on task. They usually are pretty decent about getting their lessons done with some breaks in between, you know, like they will finish their math and then they'll go jump on the trampoline or something or they'll, and then they'll come back and do something. I do usually have to prod them to come back, but not too hard. Um, and that's, and then we'll do lunch. And then usually after just depends on, it depends on what else is left to be done on their lists. But, um, if we're done before lunch, it's usually a good day. We're usually done around one or one Um, sometimes it takes us all day and those are really not fun days, but, <laughs> um, yeah. Yeah. How long does your morning basket take in the, um, in the morning out of curiosity? Okay. So that will depend. Um, my goal for morning for our morning basket is to get through a chapter of our family read aloud. That's the main okay. goal. If we okay. can get through other things, if people are, you know, if, if the attention span is there, then we'll keep going and we'll do some art history or we'll do some regular history or we'll do some science um, stuff. I like to have my kids have some books that they read aloud to each other. Um, so like my son has one book that he's been reading aloud to us one chapter a day, if we can get to that. Um, and then when he's done reading that, my daughter will take a turn and read aloud a chapter book. And that just helps them with their reading ability and with their narration abilities. Um, it's, I've actually seen really cool things happening with that, like with them able, being able to kind of create the characters as they're going, um, so, but it, yeah, I, I usually have the goal of if I can read a chapter of our family read aloud story, you know, it's just fiction. Mm-hmm. Um, then, then I'm happy. <laughs> yeah. And out of curiosity, how do you pick your family read aloud? Just like, are they like classics? Not always. No. Um, some of them are like, I really enjoyed this book when I was a kid and I'd really like yeah. to share it with my children. Um, we, tr- we have tried to do some classics. We tried to do Swiss Family Robinson, and that one did not go well. We tried like two or three times to do that. However, Anne of Green Gables went superb. Like that was a fantastic <laughs> read aloud. I just coughed because I was like, wait, what? Anne That's, of Green Gables. Was it was surprising to me. So-, so my son actually loved it too because – you have you read this book? You've read this, haven't you? It's one of my favorite books. Okay, wait. Yes. So side okay. note, because who knows when you mentioned that you were reading Anne of Green Gables? I picked it back up and was like, I haven't read this in so long. So I'm actually currently rereading Anne of Green Gables and just like totally immersing myself and it's memories so good. And like, oh yeah, like the book is so good. But I also have to remind myself that your oldest is twelve. And okay, but we read it when he was. In second grade, or yeah, second grade. He was in second grade when we read it for the first time. Jeez, oh, see, I don't think and, I find it interesting at all. Okay, but my son loved it because she's Anne is so ridiculous. Yeah, yeah. and he thought it was hysterical. He's like, "Why is she being so dramatic?" <laughs> yeah. Okay, so maybe I need to give it a try anyway. 
We uh, I did buy the illustrated one, and I think that helped. Oh, that's a really good idea. Okay. Yeah. So if you can ever find an illustrated version, definitely buy the illustrated version. Yeah. Of anything. Yeah, that's a good point. We're reading Charlotte's Web right now, and it's the illustrated version. Mm-hmm. I mean, I don't know if the I think it's the original, which is with pictures, but um, that that does help because even my you know two year old will ask to see the picture and like he's walking around saying, Charlotte, Charlotte. So I don't think he right. understands the story, but you know, no, he's that doesn't matter. engaged. Yeah. 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 Um, so I went to this, we've always been a big, like read stories together family, but I went to this, to this conference last, uh, winter in March and, um, tell us the name of the conference, Corey. Okay. It's called the great, the great homeschool conference or the great homeschool convention, something like that. Um, and they're all over the country. There's a bunch of different ones. And um, the one that I went to was in South Carolina. And one of the women that I heard speak, her name is um, Sarah McKenzie. The and reading, wait, read aloud revival chick? Yes. Yes. Okay. I started She's following fabulous. Yeah. Yes, I love. I love her. Um, so I've read both of her books at this point. She's she's written Teaching from Rest and The Read Aloud Family, both of which I highly suggest. But she said something in one oh, of her yeah. talks that I guess I kind of knew, but it was one of those like I needed to have it validated things. And she, what she said was um, reading to your children or audiobooks is more beneficial to them than them learning to read themselves. Like they need to learn to read, mm-hmm. but they get um, more from hearing the book read to them, either by you or by you know an actor or something like that. Um, they get more language structure development understanding through that than they do from reading on their own. Mm. Um, so it is like, vitally important for us to be reading to our children. Um, And, you know, what she was saying is that you don't get humans don't speak in beautifully formulated sentences with good sentence structure and beautiful words and everything like this. We don't speak like that. We don't um, you're not going to get it from a conversation. You're not going to get it from watching a movie or television. You're not going to get it. Um, listening to the radio or whatever, like the way you get that, you don't even get that from reading the book yourself. Because when you read, you skip, you know, you, you don't read word for word. Totally. You're skimming. You're so right. right. So when you hear a book read to you, you are getting the full language in the book. Yeah. 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 Oh, so that's this is brilliant. so important for our children. Yeah. Um, and so like this year, this is one of the reasons I'm kind of changing up what we're doing this year. And we're going to really hardcore focus on these, on reading aloud. And um, we've been doing a lot of audiobooks in the car, which we've always done. But like, I don't know. I saw them more as entertainment, you know? Mm-hmm. I didn't necessarily see them as um, educational. Mm. or as a vital part of their education is maybe more accurate. Um, 
Can you remind me the name of this lady again? Because I only just know her as the Read Aloud Revival, I think she is. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So she has a, her website and her podcast are called The Read Aloud Revival. Her two po- books are Teaching from Rest and um, The Read Aloud Family. Mm. And her name is Sarah McKenzie. And she actually on her, you asked what, like how you pick a, a read aloud book. She has on her website a really cool, easy quiz that you can do that is like, um, you know, you punch in, I'm reading aloud to uh, a nine and seven year old. And we like stories about magic. And I need a longer book or a shorter book. And then, you know, you enter, answer like three or four questions somewhere around there and it'll give you a couple of suggestions. Um, yeah. And, and cool. yeah, I'm, I'm a big fan of hers because <laughs> she just really, it just really, you know, kind of cemented for me how important that is. And, and also at the end of last year, somebody asked my kids what their favorite part of homeschooling was. And they said that, you know, when we all sit together on the couch and mom reads to us. And I was like, that's my favorite part too. So then I was like, oh, okay. That's really (laughs) sweet. Yeah. I have, so I do have memories of my mom reading to us as kids. Number one, when we were eating lunch, she would like always bring a book out and read a chapter book when we were eating lunch and also at night. Yeah. And I remember my mom reading to me even as an older kid, like a 14 and 15 year old. And my mom would Mm -hmm. still sit on the bed and read out loud to me. I mean, at that age, it was like, I don't know, Dante's Inferno and the Three Musketeers and, you know, Tale of Two Cities. Like it was like, I don't know, books that were a little bit more heavy or not heavy, but just dense, I guess at that, for that age. But it's crazy to think that even as a 15-year-old, I was still having my mom read to me. And I have like really warm, fuzzy memories of that. Like you're so right. There's something really just comforting and uh, connecting about that experience. Yeah, totally. I mean, 100%. And and that's one of the things that she says, Sarah McKenzie says, is like this is a – this is the way that we – this is a – a really good way, not the only way, but this is a really good way. Reading aloud to our children at every age is a really, really good way to bond with them, to connect with them, and to give ourselves opportunities to introduce, um, you know, hard social things and hard facts about history. And, you know, my kid is one of my kids, my older son is going to be reading um, that book, Wonder, this year. So I'm going to require him to read Wonder. There's a movie about it. It's about a kid who is like, I don't know if he's just disfigured. I think his, he has some sort of um, disfigurement about his face. Um, and it's based on a true story. But it's about him kind of being a kid, but like having to, you know, navigate not looking like other kids. Um, and so it's this opportunity. I'm looking forward actually to the opportunity of having these conversations with him that are really good to have, um, you know, as he's kind of starting to become aware of things and, um, 
uh, yeah, I think it's a, it's a really good way to open up hard conversations that you maybe wouldn't otherwise have the, um, the, the inroad for. Yeah. Okay. So you talked a little bit about what your day looks like and talked about what your co-op day looks like. And so one of the things that I have heard for new homeschooling parents is, this has kind of been a theme amongst everyone I've asked is to slow down and don't do too much. So take on less than what you think you can do basically. And in sort of like wrapped up in that suggestion is maybe don't do a co-op. So I've sort of decided this year that I'm not even going to try getting into a co-op. I'm not going to do a co-op at all. I'm just going to, we'll just save that for the following year. Um, and I was wondering how you felt about that. Like, what's your suggestion? Co-op or no co-op? What do you think? Um, for my family, it's really it's a really good thing. Um, my dear dear friend, who also homeschools, is is a she does not love the co-op idea. Um, she it doesn't really work well for their family, but for my family, it's really necessary. And here's my reasoning, okay? And this is this is my personal reasoning. I'm going to say a hundred times probably on this podcast, you know, you do you with your homeschooling. Um, but for me and for my kids, um, we are – my kids have one extracurricular that they're allowed to do because I have, you know, three kids who are old enough to be doing extracurriculars. I cannot be doing a million extracurriculars. So um, I allow the, I allow my kids to pick um, one each. Thankfully, my girls do the same one on the same night. <laughs> and it is only um, every other week. So that works out really well. But I need my kids to have a consistent time that they are going to see friends. Because we live in the boonies. We have no friends around us. Um <laughs> I, I, especially that we are, you know, we moved somewhere where they didn't know anybody. Um, so I needed my kids to have, and we did co-op before we moved too, but I, I think it's really good for my kids particularly to have a consistent time that they know they are going to see the same people and they're going to be able to build relationships with those people. I also think that it is good for children to have other adults be teaching influences in their lives. Mm -hmm. So that could be, you know, through sports, that could be through dance, that could be through um, extracurricular things, that could be at church, that could be grandparents. Um, but I, for me personally, I don't want to be the only adult figure um, in my children's lives who my children can learn from. Mm. I think it's important that they know or that they can learn from other adults and that they can learn from other adults who teach differently than I do. Mm. Yeah, totally. I can, I agree with that and respect it for sure. Um, now I will say though that my kids are given homework at co-op and if um, not, not all of them, but like the older two, uh, and if they are given homework and it doesn't work within our week, 
I will say to them, listen, I understand your teacher at co-op gave you this homework, but they are not the ultimate teacher. I am. And I will tell you, you're not doing that this week because it doesn't work or it's, you know, we've got too much going on or now not to like override because I will almost always try and make it work. Mm-hmm. But, um, but I get to be, I get to be the boss, right? Like, yeah, these other teachers, I'm so thankful for these other mothers who are, and, and grandparents and fathers who are stepping up to, um, teach these classes at our co-op. But we all have, like, all the all the parents in co-ops kind of have that respect and understanding that they are facilitating that class, but that the but the parent of the of the child is the teacher, ultimately. That's yeah. That's actually a really interesting point that you're making. Um, I was having a conversation with Sloan about this, and she was on a previous podcast discussing a totally different subject, but, um, but she also homeschools her kids, but yeah, but she also homeschools her kids and she said something that really resonated with me, which I'm going to go ahead and share because, um, I found it very valuable, but she basically said that when we put our kids in school, we are giving up the responsibility of educating them to, um, a larger system. And I guess in this case, experts. So, you know, we, we are considering teachers experts in education. And so we are giving up the responsibility to them and we are no longer taking that responsibility on ourselves. And when we choose to homeschool, we are taking that responsibility upon ourselves. And so that means that, you know, the weight of it falls onto us. And I don't know why it just like really the idea of us as parents being responsible for our kids' education. Um, I mean, we already talk about food a ton here and being responsible for how we feed our kids. It, it made so much sense to me to take that next step of, okay, this is at least for, you know, for us personally in this particular situation right now where we are, um, this is what will work for us. And, um, yeah. So this idea that you were saying about you being the boss and like you being the one who is in charge of your kid's education, that's kind of where I'm sort of threading this back into this idea of responsibility. And I think that, wow, we're getting like way off topic, but like sort of overall in society, one of our issues is we don't take responsibility for things. Um, I, Corey's like making a face at me. <laughs> like, oh man, are we going to go here? I okay. know. She's like, really, Christine? Really? You're, you're talking right, about let's this? let's go. No, no, no. <laughs> we don't have to do it. We can just, I can just end it here. But I do think that as a society, we've sort of just, oftentimes have taken the easy way out. Um, and so maybe we need to step up and take, be, take more responsibility over raising our kids, educating our kids, feeding our kids, the health of our kids, like all of these things. Um, I don't know. It's just a side thought. 
way okay oh boy yeah maybe okay. we don't go down this rabbit hole <laughs> well okay no i just i do want to say i think that i think i think there's a lot of truth in what you have said i also think that um if you have decided to put your children into a public school or private school or other you know schooling option this doesn't necessarily mean that you have abdicated that role of being the boss of your children or being the educational boss of your children. Um, it means that you have taken on partners, right? But it's the same in the health industry. You know, if you hire a doctor um, or a medical profession professional, yes, they have expertise. Um, however, they are your partner in this. They are not your boss. Same for teachers, same for medical professionals. This is still ultimately your either your own health or your child's health or their education, however you want to look at it. And you are still you are still the boss, um, and the advocator and the and your you know biggest um, cheerleader and all of those things. So even if you have decided to go down a different route educationally with your children, you're still the boss. Um, now, maybe you have given up a little bit of the reins, but but you still are ultimately responsible for these children. Mm. Yeah, that's very well said. I like that. Um, and I mean, yeah, <laughs> that, that my kids went to school for, you know, until now essentially. So yeah. I, I totally, I mean, I get it. I mean, I'm not going to lie. I have a tiny bit of FOMO towards the parents who are sending their kids off to school all day. Like I'm like, Oh, that would I be know. really nice right about now after my full <laughs> summer. It's not going to lie, but, um, I'm also very excited for this new adventure that we're going to embark on. So we should stay on topic and, um, I, the next question I want to ask you, which you kind of covered before, but is how do you homeschool multiple children of different ages and grades? Right. Any so, tips or tricks that you want to suggest? Ev everything you can do together as a, as a family subject, do it together as a family subject. So um, science, ma uh, sorry, science, history and social studies, um, uh, even like language, if you're going to do a foreign language, um, almost all of those things can be done together. Now you are going to have different levels of, of, of ability, right? So if you have a, um, let's say you have a 10th grader and you have a sixth grader and you have a second grader, you can all be studying um, the fall of Rome, but you're going to do it at different levels, you know, so you're going to all together, you're going to be studying the fall of Rome and, you know, you would read whatever it is that you're reading aloud to them. And then you would say, okay, now, you know, you older two, here is your assignment to go dig in a little bit deeper, or here is your, um, you know, research paper, or your, you know, you're going to build, um, you know, the, the, what did I say? Middle school, the middle school age, whatever I said, is going to go build um, 
the Coliseum, okay? And then the um, the high schooler is going to write a whole paper about Mark Antony. And um, was Mark Antony Greek? Oh, shoot. I can't remember. Uh, <laughs> Mark Antony was Roman, wasn't he? Maybe he was Greek. I thought he was I don't know. Roman, but... I don't know. Whatever. Um, you know what I'm saying. It's the idea here. Um, we're actually going to be doing that this year. So I'll, I'll maybe be able to answer that in a couple months because I don't remember. But um, <laughs> so, but that's the idea, right? And then like with my kids, we're going to all be doing science together. And for science this year, I have gotten some of those science subscription boxes and we're going to be doing one a month. And then my older two kids are doing, um, they are reading science comics, which are these comic books that are actually really solid on the science and they learn a lot from them, but they're fun to read. Um, and so I'm just saying, okay, you guys go pick whichever topics you're interested in, in the science comic library, and you have to read one or two a month. Um, and that's like, we're just, every single thing we can do together, we do together. Then um, get your kids as independent as possible on the subjects that they are doing independently. So math, language arts, um, uh, you know, personal reading, and um, and then get, give your the younger ones. Um, we have we have a toy room at our house that has a bunch of toys in it. But I also have specific toys that are only for school time. So these are things like um, like puzzles or sort of, you know, intricate little building things. Not super intricate, but, you know, little things that, that use their hands and their brains and that are not very loud. I was and just about to ask that. Yeah. Yeah. And, and don't require me to do anything. Yeah. Okay, um, so they're like quieter toys. Yeah. yeah. So they can get those out and they can play with them during school time, but only during school time. Mm. Um, yeah. And then I also, we have for when we sit down to do read aloud time, the two younger ones who don't necessarily have a very long attention span, because if you heard this thing about attention spans where a, a child's a, attention span is their age plus one minute. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So my five-year-old, or she's about to be six, my six-year-old has seven minutes of attention, mm-hmm. right? Um, so because of that, I am trying – or even my three-year-old, she has four minutes of attention. That's nothing. <laughs> That's nothing. <laughs> um, so you have to be really aware of that and not get, you know, overly frustrated with them when they are kind of – flipping around on the carpet while you're trying to read aloud. Um, <laughs> because it's just, this is just children. Um, but because of that, I have, you know, these read aloud things. So we print out coloring pages and I do this, I print out coloring pages from the internet, just like free coloring pages rather than buying coloring books. And they're, they are allowed to color them. I don't care how they color them. Some, the older kids have sketchbooks that they draw in. Um, this is also right around our couch where the, 
They also have those little animal toys that are just, you know, plastic animals. Um, so I don't know. Does that answer that question? Yeah. No, no, no. That's actually the, the school toy suggestion is a, a very good idea. Yeah. Um, and I, so I've consulted a lot of friends and um, current and former homeschooling parents and stuff like that. And because my kids were coming from a Montessori school, I think I am going to do some form of implementation of that throughout our school day. And one suggestion or um, one practice that they do that I really love is they basically goal set in the morning. So they have like uh, a planner essentially where they're writing down their goals for the week. So what lessons they're going to try and accomplish throughout the week and then what lessons they're going to try and accomplish that day. And then at the end of the school day, whatever time that is, they can go back to their planner and they would check like what they were able to finish or what they still needed to work on and like needs to carry over to the next day. And so this is something that I think is going to help, especially like my fourth grader, um, work more independently and be more autonomous for like his schoolwork and, um, keeping him accountable for what he needs to do and stuff. And my understanding is also that hopefully, you know, the first grader I might need to do a little bit more like one-on-one time with since, um, maybe she won't be able to do all of the, I don't know, like the work independently herself at the beginning. Um, but that eventually they should both be able to work independently, uh, later on throughout the school year. Yeah. I do have a, um, a school planner that we use and I only plan out one week at a time. Mm. Um, but I will sit down on Sunday night and plan out, you know, uh, each kid's expected lessons for the week or requirements or, you know, homework. And we, and I try and write down all of the things that they are expected to do that week. And so then they know, you know, I, one of my kids is likes to sometimes get things done early. So she will do two lessons in a day and, um, she'll, she'll just check off that day and then the next day's lesson as well. Um, and then another of my kids is kind of just the opposite, <laughs> but he knows that if, when we get to Saturday, if it's not all finished, he's going to spend his whole Saturday catching up, mm-hmm. um, with some grace, you know, you've got to give, you've got to be able to have grace to if things have gone poorly that week or what, or people were sick or, yeah, you know, something, but within reason. Um, but I, I think that's really helpful for children to be able to see what is expected of them. Mm-hmm. Um, and for my kids, I know some people that that'll just write out the next day's requirement the night before, but for my kids to be able to see the whole week, they really like that. They want like my, one of my children really likes to know what the plan is for the next day. Mm-hmm. And she will ask me, yep. you know, Hey, what are we doing tomorrow? And I'll be like, just, you know, look at the, look at the planner. Like it's written down. Um, so that you, I guess you feel in, in control of it or, you know, able to be mentally prepared or something like that. But I do think that's helpful for kids. And for me, like I need, I need 
if I don't write things down, it's gone, you know? Like I can't yeah. I can't think about it in the moment. I will get overwhelmed and just kind of go, I don't know, I don't know, you know, and then nothing happens. <laughs> yeah. Totally. So it, I think it's helpful to have that written. All right. This is a good one. Um, I've been asking everybody this, so I'm really curious to hear what you're, what you're going to say. I think I might've already asked you this, but, um, like on the show or personally, personally, okay, okay. <laughs> um, but what advice would you give to a new homeschooling parent who's never done it before? And okay. If you could go back to your first year homeschooling self, what would you tell yourself? So yeah. And like, basically what advice would you give a new homeschooling parent? Yeah, this is a really good question. Um, Okay, I'm going to tell you what my what my um, my aunt. I asked my aunt this question, so I had to give you a little tiny bit more information background. Yeah, all of my cousins on my mom's or my dad's side of the family. So my dad has three siblings. All of my cousins, all seventeen of them, were homeschooled at some point, Um, or seventeen of us. So there's 17, 18, something like that, grandchildren. I don't remember anymore. Um, All of us were homeschooled at some point. Some of us all the way through, some of us only for a short amount of time or or just elementary school or something like that. Um, But my aunt, who is a mathematician, she's brilliant. She was an educator. Her mother was an educator. She started homeschooling her children – I guess because my mom's influence, but, um, she is one of those women who's, you know, her kids were very accomplished academically. Um, and I asked her, you know, what, what would you do differently? I asked her this question essentially. And she said, I would do so much less in the early years because it is just not important. Um, And I think that she meant, you know, between the ages of like two or three when people start going, oh, I should start teaching my child to read so they'll be brilliant, Um, to the ages of like seven, nine. Um, Because in that era, it really just all comes out in the wash, like you can do as much as you want in those earlier years. And by the time the kid is middle-ish school, it, they're almost all kids are usually kind of they're, – they, they're all pretty much on the same level. It doesn't matter if your kid learned to read at two and a half or your kid didn't learn to read until 10. By the time they're about 12, 13, they're – now, you know, there's – exceptions for reading or for learning disabilities and all of that and neuro neurodivergence and all everything. But in general, everybody is going to be at the same basic level. Um, so doing less. And even last year, like last year I started out and I was like, okay, you know, we need to learn typing and we need to learn Spanish and we need to learn, um, we need to be doing music and art a couple days a week. And and at this, I've just, this year, 
I don't know what it is about this year, but I have just finally gotten to this point where I'm like, we need to do less. And I know my son is starting middle school, but like we are doing so much less this year with the idea that we are going to be able to kind of learn more in doing less. Hmm. Does that make any sense? Yeah. I think you said something to me earlier about you guys were going to do more like real life. Yeah. So applicational stuff. Yeah. So we're going to do. So, okay. So it's not necessarily that I'm planning on doing what people call life school or what people would call more unschooling type things. I'm not even really planning anything. I'm just going to require my kids to do less book work and give them more time and more opportunity to do what they are interested in. Mm. So right now, you know, it's it's mid-August. We're, we're coming up on the end of August, right? When we're recording this. And my son is super excited about this Halloween costume that he has in his mind. Okay. And. That's a bit aggressive for me. (laughs) I know it's aggressive. Like it's a lot. And he keeps, he's a super one track mind on this. So he's like, mom, when can you help me do this? Mom, can you help? I'm like, dude, you have got to give me a minute. Um, I am so not in Halloween mode yet. (laughs) But. He desperately wants to do this. And so I want to give him the time to figure out how to make this super intricate mask. And um, I want to give him the space to be able to do that. And it's not necessarily, he's not necessarily going to be formulating math equations to be able to figure out how to make a cone on the mask or whatever. But He's going to be problem solving. He's going to be figuring, you know, learning how to figure things out. Not even necessarily figuring it out, but learning how to figure things out. Mm -hmm. Learning how to learn how to do things. You know what I mean? Like these are really important skills for humans to have that we don't get a lot of opportunity to develop because we are just given the work to do. Yeah, that's a really good point. There's a, a an idea or a phrase that um, is really popular in early childhood development, which is basically the concept of kids focus more on the process and not the end result, and adults focus more on the end result than the process. So mm-hmm. th- for kids, it doesn't matter what the end result is. It's all about what they learned along the way to get there. And like, that's what they're focusing on. And as adults, all we're seeing is that final grade or the final project or, um, graduating from college. (laughs) You know what I mean? Like, like we're just, we're, we're so focused on the end versus the journey to get to the end, which is just as important or more important than the end result. Um, because that's where all the learning happens. Well, and that's, I mean, think about your your life, right? As an adult, your life is not made up of those end goals. Your life is made up of figuring things out, learning how to do things, mm, working through the processes, yeah. right? 
Yeah. I mean, even when you and I wanted to start this podcast, I was like, okay, like let's do this. And neither one of us had any idea what we were doing. And we're like, we're just going to figure it out. And I think we just dove in and <laughs> and had no idea. Maybe we still don't have no any idea what we're doing. Shh, you're not supposed to tell them that. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, guys. If you're still listening to us rambling about homeschooling, thanks for joining us for the process and the journey (laughs) of our podcast slash how we're going to educate our children. Um, Okay, so your advice was pretty much on par with what everyone else has told me, which is do less. Mm -hmm. Okay, we'll see if I manage to. Okay, here's here's my other tiny bit, okay? Okay. The other thing that I think is really important that is super hard to lose sight of as a homeschooling mom, because you're in the thick of it, you're with your kids all the time. It is very hard to get perspective on this and keep keep perspective on it. Um, But homeschooling is so much less about the education than it is about the relationship. Your relationship with your kids is way more important than them memorizing multiplication facts. It is important to memorize multiplication facts. My husband would disagree. But (laughs) it is more important that they feel secure and loved and cared for in your home and in with you, um, and you know, cause kids, kids can't learn when they're not, when they don't feel safe and cared for and loved. Um, and I'm sure you could say a lot more about that, but. Oh, that's beautiful. I totally agree with it. You're right. Safety and attachment are very, very important. Also multiplication is important. So. Oh yeah. <laughs> I guess that's important too. Um, Yeah. Okay, so one other thing is, this is difficult because I know I got some questions about um, about curriculum, about specific curriculum. Yeah, I was wondering if we were going to say anything about specific curriculums or not. I don't, I don't know that it's necessary to like say what I do. I'll probably post about it on my Instagram at some point. Um, but here is what I think is important to remember. Curriculum can be really expensive and it can be really difficult to shell out a bunch of money and then go, this isn't working for my children, Mm. you know? So if at all possible, see if there's a homeschooling mom around you where you live, where you can either borrow it or go leaf through the curriculum before you buy it. Um, some of them, you know, you can, there's seriously good um, samples on their websites. But if a curriculum is not working, the beauty of homeschooling is that you get to do what is best for your child. So if at all possible, if it is not working, scrap it and move on. My, That's a good baby. piece of advice, yeah. My dad says this and think it's hilarious. If he goes to a restaurant and he orders something that he doesn't like, he says, my first mistake 
was ordering it, I don't also have to make a second mistake in eating it. <laughs> That's really good. So, you know, keep that in mind when you're when you're dealing with your curriculum. Um, I will say, you know, my daughter last year, we got to the end of the year and I realized that her math curriculum, I don't know if it was what, it, I don't know if it was the curriculum itself or that she, it just wasn't working for her brain because it worked really great for my son when he did it. But I, but she's definitely, it learns differently. And, um, she did not do well at the end of the year assessment on that. And I was like blown. I was so, I was so upset. Mm. Not at her, but at the fact that we had gotten through the entire year and I hadn't realized how much she was struggling and how much the curriculum wasn't working for her. Mm. And so I did a bunch of research over the summer and found a different curriculum, but it's really kind of intimidating to start a new curriculum. You know, we'd been using the same curriculum for three years or four years, however long it was, and I was really comfortable with it. And my son is still going to use the curriculum this year, um, but I needed to do something different for my daughter. And so, you know, it, it was a, I don't know, it sounds so dumb because it's not really a big step to buy a different curriculum. But I actually um, think you make a really good point of we need to be aware of our kids' different learning styles and their personalities. And one curriculum, like you've mentioned, might work for one child but might not work for another. So maybe as parents slash our kids' educators being a little bit more flexible and less rigid around the idea of what it will look like or what curriculum we're going to use. And mm -hmm. yeah, just be willing, like you said, to change if you have to in the middle of the school year or put it aside or, you know, like what you're doing, saying, okay, I have one kid who's going to continue using it, but the other one, she needs something different. Right. Um, and I mean, I, <laughs> I saw this in the classroom all the time just because one teaching method worked for one child did not mean it was going to work for, you know, three others. And yeah. that's the whole point of teaching is being super creative and trying to access um, all of your kids. So, you know, finding ways to engage each of your kid in their own particular learning style and need that kind of thing. So, yeah. Um, okay. So we won't necessarily mention curriculum names and I mean, I don't have anything to say as far as that's concerned. The only thing I have officially purchased is math. And even that is going to be a really big risk because one of the things that I've realized is Montessori was very focused on concrete math materials and using manipulatives and things like that. And they didn't really, especially the age at which my kids were at, they didn't really focus on abstract math. So something as simple as lining up an addition problem um, is actually considered abstract math. And yeah. <laughs> That's interesting. I didn't know that. Yeah, it is. Um, and the idea of like caring 
I'm just giving an example, let's say carrying the units over to the tens, that kind of thing. That's all abstract. And in Montessori, all of that is done with manipulatives in very concrete ways through like games and um, particular, uh, yeah, manipulatives. Anyway, so it's going to be a big risk going with the math program that we've chosen just because it is all abstract. Um, and so we'll see how that goes. Um, I'm still sort of teetering with language arts. Um, but I had a few friends recommend something for narration and like, um, I think rhetoric or something. Um, I'm trying to find my notes, but other than that, maybe at some point we'll mention curriculums names, but I don't think they're too terribly important just because each family is so different. Yeah. Um, but let's kind of start wrapping it up and are there, okay. I have personally not started following any homeschool accounts because I don't want to overwhelm myself. And I'm worried that if I jump down that rabbit hole, I'm going to have food and <laughs> homeschooling. <laughs> My head's going to explode. But I, I mean, I did start following Read Aloud Revival, but she's the only person that I'm following right now. So aside from her. And her, her Instagram is not active, isn't it? Or is it? I, don't I, thought it, I thought it was, but I could be wrong. I don't know. Okay, I will say. <laughs> yeah, give um, me give me any people that you think are good. I like Emma's for Mama, and that's pretty much it. So here's the truth <laughs> of it. Okay, no, here I know it sounds terrible. It's not that I don't. I didn't like the other ones that I was because for a while I was following a bunch of them. There's a cup. There's some really beautiful homeschooling accounts. There are some like homeschool and um, uh, um, homesteading sort of like right up my alley sort of people. Um, And I follow the ones that are kind of like those sorts of people. But I had to unfollow so many people specifically homeschoolers, because I was feeling so inadequate. Mm. And I was, by looking at their accounts, I was not, I was feeling like I need to do more. I need to do that. I need to get this curriculum. I need to have that book. I need to have this manipulative. And it was not helpful. Mm. It was, you know, it was stressing me out and it was making me feel like I wasn't doing enough um, or that I didn't, you know, I don't, I don't have a homeschooling room. I have a dining room and all of my stuff is all of our curriculum and all of our supplies are in cabinets in our dining room. And before we moved to this house, we just had a shelf, one shelf in our living room and we homeschooled at the kitchen counter. Like we don't have a fancy thing. And I was feeling so, I was feeling, I was like that jealousy monster was coming out and it was just not a nice headspace for me. So I had to unfollow a bunch of people. So I will tell you, if you feel like that by the, from the homeschoolers that you're following, just unfollow them. Yep. I I mean, beauty of social media. Go ahead. You can unfollow us. 
You can unfollow <laughs> me. That's fine. I, if it's if it stresses you out to follow me, if it's not inspiring and it's not helpful, then please unfollow me. Because yeah. I don't want to be that source of of strife in your heart. Like that's not that's yeah. not the space that I want to be want to be in. Wait, you said something that made me think of a question super fast. Um, I've also asked people like where to homeschool, like physically where in my home. And we do have a playroom and I could do it upstairs in the playroom. But from what I've heard, you want to do it in the room that you will be in the most. So like the question is like, where are you always spending your time? The kitchen. The kitchen. (laughs) Right, a hundred percent. Yeah. Like if you needed so. to, if you need to go stir stir up your sourdough starter, yeah. and your kids are doing math, like, do you want to have to go all the way downstairs to the kitchen? Yeah. And then lose sight of them and lose track of them, and they lose track of you, yeah. or they have to have a question and they have to come all the way down to the kitchen to find you, and then everybody's distracted and it takes forever to get back on track. Okay. All right. I just want to confirm that. All right. So kitchen table, it is then. <laughs> Now, this doesn't mean you can't have your storage somewhere else. Okay. That's you know? that's what I need to think about too, logistically, is like the storage of everything. I think so. for for us, since we have every we have these built-in cabinets in my cat in my dining room, like praise the Lord, this house is made for homeschoolers, except that there's not enough wall space for bookshelves. That's my only concern. But <laughs> um we have these beautiful built-ins in our in our dining room that I'm sure the previous owner used to, for dishes and things, but we use it for all of our homeschooling supplies. <laughs> um, but otherwise, they we used to use these bins. And um, I'm if you're around the homeschooling world, you've seen these bins. They have, they're kind of a deeper bin. They have a locking lid with a handle. And inside of it's like a tray that you can keep um, pencils or markers or whatever with. And then usually the curriculum, if it's like a book size, it'll fit in the bottom. Hmm. So you could just have, you know, hey, um, Johnny, go grab your your math bin, you know, mm-hmm. um, and they can just bring it, bring it over to the kitchen table, set it down, open it up, do their work, put everything back in, close it up and go put it back on the shelf. You're going to have to send me a link to this so I can put it in the show notes because I'm trying to picture it, but I actually, I'm not sure exactly what, yeah, yeah, what it looks like. I've also seen at Target in the dollar section, and I know people are still boycotting Target, so good on you. But if you're not, um, <laughs> there's bins, they're like not bins, they're like um, caddies that have a Oh. Kind of a section that you could yeah. like a cup that you could put pencils in, and then a section that you could book books in, and that kind of thing. That would work too. The only nice thing about the bins is that they would be stackable. Okay, that's good to know. So we'll put that in the show notes, everybody. You can go buy a bin. Yeah. Um, Depending on how much curriculum your kid has, you might be able to fit everything in one bin, which would be lovely. Yep, that would be the goal. I am all about minimalism. <laughs> um, all right. Is there anything else? Buy more pencils than you think you will need. And oh. a really good pencil sharpener. I cannot tell okay. you how many times I have 
bought like crappy pencil sharpeners just to be like needing a new one the next school year. Just buy the one that plugs into the wall that's like more expensive than you think you should have to spend on a pencil sharpener and (laughs) okay, because you will use it. That's good to know. Did you have any other questions that you think we needed to answer? No, I actually think we covered. um, Oh, I do. Somebody asked me if you have to do standardized testing. That, sorry, I'm knocked the mic. Um, That is totally dependent on your state. Um, Georgia, you do have standardized testing, but it's only every three years. And um, you can, you get to choose. This is such a weird law. It's so stupid in my opinion, but um, you get to choose what standardized test you use and then you don't even turn the results in. You just keep them. They're for your own record and your own like assessment of your children. So stupid, but whatever. Comply with the laws. Here's <laughs> as, as somebody who grew up in the homeschooling world, right? When homeschooling was totally not a thing in the 80s and 90s, um, please follow the laws of your state, even if you think they're stupid, because if you don't, we could all end up like France without the ability to homeschool our children. So just do what you're supposed to do. PSA. And if you don't, if you don't like it, then go to the legislature and, and talk to them. That's so interesting. But so is the point until of- the laws changed, please just follow what you're supposed to do. Yeah. I admit, I don't, I have no idea what the laws here are in Texas. I just asked a few friends and they were like, all you have to do is tell your old school that you're not coming back. That's it. Okay. I don't know. Okay. Um, So you can, you can look it up. You should be able to look it up on your state. Ah, your state should have a website. And, um, but the easiest way to do it is to go to the HSLDA website and they will have your state, you know, you just click on your state and then they'll have a list of it. And if it is unclear, if you are in a state that is complicated, you can call their lawyers. They will call you back if they don't answer right away. And you can talk to them for as long as you need to and ask them all the questions you need to. Um, oh. Let's see. I think I think you can. I'm a member of HSLDA. I suggest that everybody should be if you are homeschooling. Um because these are, you know, these are the people that are fighting for homeschoolers' rights. Um, and they are also, they will also fight for you if there is ever something, you know, that comes up with the state. Um, and so, but you can just go on their website and they'll have a whole list of what the requirements are for your state. Oh, interesting. Yeah, you're so right. Texas homeschool law at a glance. The assessment requirements, no. State mandated subjects, yes. Teacher qualifications, no. Notification requirement, no. So it's right. I don't have to notify anyone. Um, wow. Options for homeschooling. It, like, it tells you everything. This yeah. is really cool. The required subjects are math, reading, spelling, and grammar, and a course in good citizenship. Oh. Huh. This is fascinating. That's- All right. Cool. Cool. Um, anyway, uh, that is also going in the show notes. So you guys can definitely look that up if you are new like me. Uh, other than that, Corey, thanks for being my guinea pig and answering all my questions. 
yeah, so hopefully this was, this was helpful for pe- for you, for anybody else. Yeah. <laughs> who ends up tagging along. I know, right? Yeah. Well, maybe we'll have to do like a six-month check-in on me and see how I'm doing, whether I've that's, that's pulled my idea. hair out yet or not. I, you should ask me too. Yeah. I've, yeah, yeah, yeah. I've pulled all of my hair out because usually – See, I think that's what's like when we get to the point of December, like I said, where we take off the whole month of December, we do that in the summer holiday because I need it Yeah, more than the children do. Totally. Yeah. You know, I need that break. Now, I will say I am actually at this point, you know, we're almost at the end of August. I'm ready to start, but um, we're going to wait Well, because, you know, my son's birthday. Um, but yeah, I think, I think it's good to take breaks and, you know, even people who school all year round, a lot of times they'll do what's called Sabbath school where they'll do six weeks on one week off Hmm. or some, you know, iteration of that. Um, and, or they'll take, you know, two months or two, sorry, two weeks and go on, you know, a road trip or whatever. So it's still schooling, but it's a different kind of schooling. You know, they're doing geography because they're going to um, all those national parks out West or, you know, whatever. Yeah. A friend of mine went on a road trip to Oklahoma. And so they did this whole really cool, um, uh, study and their family on they they went through Nashville so they did a whole study on Nashville and like country music and how that formed mm. um and then they also did a whole thing on the Trail of Tears cuz they kind of were in that area as well um so you know just finding those cool opportunities uh that's the beauty of homeschooling like that's still school yeah but they were also just on a family vacation yeah that's really cool. So. I did I did a lot of really unique. I had a lot of very unique experiences growing up during the five years that I was homeschooled. Four years. Five, four years, whatever. Yeah. Um, so I can definitely appreciate the beauty and all the freedom that homeschool uh, gives children and families. So, All right. I think that's it, folks. Thank you for listening. What else are you going to I want to give one more caveat, though. Can I throw that in there? Yeah, give one more caveat. I'm going to look and see. Okay, one more caveat. (laughs) I do not want anybody to think that homeschooling is the only choice for good education Um, Mm -hmm. or for for good parent-child relationships. It is not the right thing for every family, for every child, for every parent. It may be the right thing for one child and not the other child. Um, so, you know, you know your family. You got to have to do what's best for your family. Um, and, you know, it can. It doesn't always have to be an all-the-time thing either. It can be like you did, Christine, where you did it for a couple of years. And my husband did the same thing. He was homeschooled for a couple of years, and then he went back to public school. Um, so that's it. I just don't want anybody to feel like, you know, Homeschooling is the only option. Yeah. Thanks for that caveat. And 
I think that that's it. Okay. So, I think we're good. Yeah. Thanks Thank for you all for listening. I know. And um, if you have time, please, 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 please give us a review and uh, rate us. We especially really love the reviews. It's just so much fun to read what you guys have to say about the podcast. And um, we do read them on air. So if you want to be super cool and have your review read on air, then go leave a review. Um, otherwise, we will see you guys next time. And thanks for listening. Thank you, guys. Happy school starting. Whatever school you're doing, I hope it's wonderful. <laughs> All right. Bye. Bye. Thanks for listening to Modern Ancestral Mamas. Check out the show notes for the resources. You can find Christine on Instagram at Nourish the Littles and online at nourishthelittles.com. You can find Corey on Instagram at For Nutrient Sake and online at fornutrientsake.com. Follow us on Instagram at Modern Ancestral Mamas. The information contained in this show is for informational purposes only. It should not be intended as medical advice and should not replace your relationship with your healthcare practitioner.